Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Thursday morning. What a beautiful day here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Sunshine, not a cloud in the sky. Temperatures expected to be around 70, and then tomorrow, 40. We get four seasons in 24 hours. Casey, Paul, good morning, men. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Tom. Yeah, so you- if you're having to leave the house, let, let, let's say, you know, you're, you're heading out this afternoon and maybe you're going to visit a friend or something and you're spending the night, right? And all of a sudden you got to get up from wherever it is you're spending the night and, and, and go somewhere tomorrow morning. You could wear a T-shirt and a pair of shorts today right get out and run wouldn't need a sweatshirt nothing but when you get up tomorrow morning you're going to need your winter coat oh yeah there's no doubt about it i looked at the weather channel app yesterday or two days ago and it said 72 i tweeted out the screenshot of it 72 with a low of 37 something like that what are we doing here and then tomorrow the high i think is like 40 yeah we're right back down. So if you want to get your golf in, do it today. <laughs> it just means that the studio is going to be freezing tomorrow. It probably. We finally get the heat working, but we don't need it now. Yeah, the heat's working today. And um, who knows tomorrow? Who knows? You should just turn the heat up to 90 and then it <laughs> out. Right. Let <laughs> it sit overnight. Well, as always, we welcome you to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to high noon Eastern Standard Time. You can find us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We also stream on Facebook, the Chatterbox Sports page. If you'd prefer to join us in podcast form, by all means, search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't know if they're going to the NCAA tournament. More than likely not. Paul will have some thoughts on that. But UC is playing some pretty decent basketball right now. It's certainly exciting basketball. Their last two games have gone right down to the final buzzer. Last night, they avenged one of their worst losses of the season by beating Temple at Fifth Third Arena in overtime. 88-83, David DeJulius and Landers Nolly II each had 20. Big night from freshman guard Dan Skillings. He had 15 off the bench. Bearcats are now 19-10 on the year, 10-6 in the American, which as of today is good enough for fourth place. That'd be a first-round bye in the conference tournament. Next up, a big one at Memphis. That's Sunday at 2. Many believe Memphis is an NCAA tournament team. Don't look now, boys. Hmm. Don't look now. Cal and Kentucky. Hey, I bet on them yesterday. Here they come. Here they come. I saw one of you guys post that parlay. I am not a gambler, but I gave serious consideration to making that that three-team parlay last The rebound rundown parlay. I really wanted to do it. I really wanted to do it with Kentucky, Cincinnati, and Dayton, right? Yeah, the local teams. Man, and if you bet 100, you'd have bet, what, 160? 166. I really wanted to do that last night. That really caught my eye. The Big Blue last night, they go on the road. I mean, they are rolling, right? They build up a 15-point lead at Florida. Then (laughs) they go back to their periodic sleepwalking ways. They let it get away, and then down the stretch, finish strong, 82-74 the win. The big fella, Oscar Shibwe, poured in 25 for the Cats. 
They play Auburn, who's 19-9 over the weekend. Dayton goes to 19-9, a 72-64 win over UMass. So there you have it, the trifecta. Bearcats, Wildcats, Flyers. Did either one of you have a unit two or nine on that parlay? No, I did not. Uh, I, I just haven't bet in a while. But no, I, I did not. I loved it, um, which is why Reed had it on the graphic. Um, great to see all the local teams win. I think of, of the rebound rundown this year. It has not. In fact, that may have been the first podcast I've done this morning where every team has won on the same night. It doesn't happen much because a lot of teams play and a lot of teams lose. And yeah. it was great to see last night. I had a few units on uh, Kentucky to cover. Nice. Yeah. So, were they a dog or a favorite? They were a favorite. They were a favorite. Florida was missing their best player. Yeah, yeah. So, he used to broke his hand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so they uh, in the computers they were an underdog, but when Vegas put it out, they were a two and a half, three point favorite, right? I think it was yeah, two, two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah. You know, I tell you, you can really learn a lot, and I talked about this a little bit yesterday, but you can really learn a lot by listening to local broadcast on the radio about a college basketball team. If you're kind of, you know, wishy-washy on college hoops and, you know, you, you know, how do you catch up and learn about what's going on? We're lucky here where last night, right? You know, I have to hide. My son knows I'm there, but I have to hide up in the bowels of, of Cusill Stadium at Marymount High School and sit in my car and look through a chain link fence to watch lacrosse practice every now and again. I like going over there, seeing how they're looking. They just cranked it up, you know. State title winners two years ago, Final Four last year. Want to see how the buoys are looking. So while you're sitting there, two nights ago, I got to listen to Xavier talk about Joe Sunderman and Byron Larkin. Last night, I'm flipping back and forth the UC game, Dan Horde and Terry Nelson, and then the Kentucky game. All the Kentucky games are on local radio, 1530. Jack Goose Gibbons providing the uh, color commentary. And you'll learn a lot about these teams. Top 25 action last night. Number one, Houston just blows Tulane out of the gym in the Big Easy. Brandon Miller, this is the talk of college basketball right now. He was in uniform last night for number two, Alabama. I don't know if you've heard this story, know much about it. Here's the deal. Miller is regarded as a top five pick, maybe even the number one pick in this year's NBA draft. He is a freshman and is an extraordinary player. He's the best player on one of the best teams in the country. Now, for whatever reason, Miller had a gun that belonged to a teammate. Late at night, just recently, that teammate calls Miller, who's sitting at home, and asks him to bring him his gun to an area where a lot of college bars are in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Miller does so. Gets in the car, brings his teammate his gun. Shortly after, that gun is used by Miller's teammate and another man to kill a 23-year-old woman. Both of those men are facing capital murder charges, not Miller. The head coach at Alabama, Nate Oates, said, look, Miller has not been charged with anything. He's been very cooperative as a witness with the local police authorities. So the athletic department and the university let him play last night at South Carolina. It's been learned since then that another teammate, so now a third guy, you have the two players that are involved in the shooting, 
There's another teammate that is a witness to the shooting who also played in the game last night. This is an extraordinary story with so many tentacles, so many arteries, who's right, who's wrong, what should happen, what shouldn't happen. They let him play last night. He hits a game-winning shot in overtime and scores 41 points as Alabama beat South Carolina 78-76. This is a story to keep an eye on. In the Big East, UConn destroyed Providence on its home floor, 87-69. That means Marquette sits atop the conference standings. A one-game lead over the trio of Xavier, Providence, and Creighton with just two games to go in the regular season, three in some cases. In the ACC, number six, Virginia. Awful last night. Just awful. They get blown out at Boston College, 63-48. to NFL news, the Tennessee Titans went from $25 million over the NFL salary cap to nearly $5 million under it with a flurry of moves yesterday, which included releasing three-time Pro Bowl left tackle Taylor Luan, linebacker Zach Cunningham, wide receiver Robert Woods, and former Bengals kicker Randy Bullock. Luan and Cunningham, it should be noted, missed most of last season with injuries. Many believe quarterback Ryan Tannehill could be next. 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy. This is a big deal. This guy got hurt a month ago. He continues to wait for the swelling to go down so he can have surgery on his right throwing elbow. They're talking about waiting until March to have that surgery, which means he would not be ready until at least Late August would miss virtually all of training camp. Purdy injured that game in the opening minutes of the NFC Championship against Philadelphia. Baseball news, the Reds claimed off waivers left-handed pitcher Bennett Sousa. Well, there's a name to remember. Bennett Sousa from the White Sox. He had an ERA of over eight last year. Vladimir Gutierrez, by the way, was placed on the 60-day disabled list. That was following elbow surgery last season. The Red Star Cactus League play in Goodyear, Arizona, this Saturday against the Cleveland Indians. Coming up, Guardians. Forgive me. Slip. Slip. How many times is our main man Tom Hamilton? You think he ever does that? Legendary yeah. radio voice of the tribe. Think he ever slips up with Indians? I mean, he has to, right, at some point. The Tribe. He's pretty good, though. He's really good. Do they still call it the Tribe, or is it something else? I would imagine they don't. I don't think there's any correlation between Guardian and Tribe. Did you see the guy that, that uh, played the drum in the outfield? He Adams. passed away. I think Pete Adams, I think yeah. was his name. Yes, he yeah. passed away during the offseason. That was very, very sad. Yeah. Um, hundreds, if not thousands, watching it on the chat. Um See, I got in trouble last week with Reed Mouse about the Hamiltucky thing, so I'm assuming I like bacon. Mm. Says good morning from Hamiltucky here in Hamiltucky. See, he must be um, a Hamilton native. That's where I learned my lesson last week. Learned my lesson. You're trying to learn something new every single day. I do appreciate how a pro, uh, polite our chat is every morning. Good morning, everybody. They normally are very, and, and then Check things go south. <laughs> things go south. Straight south. Straight south. 
Um, okay, coming up today in a matter of uh, minutes, about 10 minutes, we'll have uh, Scott Springer from uh, Cincinnati.com. He covers everything that is the UC Bearcats. And we'll talk to him about last night's game. A lot to be encouraged by here lately. Won a couple of nail biters. Did Julius won the last game with a layup? One second left in the game. They're 19 and 10. They play at Memphis this week. Then they play SMU at home. Then it's off to the American Conference Tournament. They still play that in Fort Worth, Texas. Dickies Arena. It's a big league arena. That is a big league arena. I've never been. I mean to tell you, that is a big league joint. I tell you what's criminal in going next year into the Big 12. And I, and I have just thought this is just ridiculous. How in the world do they play the Big 12 tournament every year in Kansas City? I mean, come on. That is a home tournament for the Kansas Jayhawks every single year. They have other places they could play that tournament. Oklahoma City has an NBA arena, right? Yeah. Right? You got, you got all kinds of arenas in Texas. Okay, well, if you're going to do it in Kansas City, why wouldn't you do it at maybe you know, Dickey's Arena? In Fort Worth, Texas. Now you could say it'd be a home game for TCU. Okay. Kansas gets it every single year. It's a joke. It's a joke. I mean, it, it's, they could have that thing at the Dallas Mavericks Arena. I mean, alternate it a little bit. Big Ten does that, right? Yeah, yeah they do. Right now, the Big East is not. They got Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Right, but there really isn't. You know, I mean, you. That's more of a branding thing. No. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. It's right. But the ACC has started to move around. Yeah. Used to have it in Greensboro, North Carolina every year. Then when they, uh, you know, when they brought in, uh, who was it? They moved the, the tournament to Brooklyn, I think, right? Yeah, that, that was bad. They played it last year in Brooklyn, and it was at the same time as the Big East tournament. And I remember there were a lot of media members I was talking to that were going back and forth between the Big East and the ACC every night. Right. And, and the was, Big Ten tournament should not be played in New York City. They well, did that when they got in bed with Rutgers. They, they, and D.C. Well, yeah, both. The Big Ten moved the, the tournament to MSG during mid-major week uh, probably three or four years ago. That didn't go over very well. That was probably four years ago now. Three years ago would have been COVID. Yeah, and why did they play the Big Ten tournament in D.C.? And that didn't draw any numbers either. Just no. keep, keep the Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis. Indianapolis, it's, precisely. It's or, or I could make an argument, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think now they have gone to – it's, it's only a two-town rotation between Indy and Chicago. Is it not? I thought it was in uh, – is it in Chicago this year? I think it is. United, the United Center? I don't know. I, I'm just saying I, I thought I remembered reading something where they were going to um, yeah, it is. get it down to just those two cities. United Center. Yeah, I, that, that's good. Big Ten rotated between Chicago and Indianapolis. Indianapolis. And the Big Ten Conference is based out of Chicago. Yeah. That's where their headquarters are. Northwestern is there this year, and I would imagine that uh, it's having a good year this year. They're there every year, but they're having a good year this but year. I'm pretty sure it's in some random place next year or the year after. Reed just said it might be in Minnesota. I was going to say Minnesota, but I didn't want to come. Nothing wrong with that. Clouds. I don't have a problem yeah. with that because yeah. you're, at least you're rotating, and that's a big yeah. league arena. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. where the Timberwolves play, correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah, next year, 2024. Okay, I, I don't mind that. But the thing in, in, uh, in, in Kansas City every year, and I know that the Big 12 and, you know, Kansas City and longstanding tradition, all that kind of stuff, it just seems to me it's uh, – they play the big – you know, they're not playing the Big 12 football championship game in Kansas City. They're playing that thing in Big D. 
Dallas. Jerry's World. Jerry's World. You guys been in that place? I have driven around the parking lot, but I they, they we couldn't get in. Bucket list. It's on the bucket list to go. It's unbelievable. Went to, unbelievable. Went down. That was still when the the ballpark in Arlington was the the main attraction. Globe Life wasn't there yet. Now that place is very unattractive from the outside. I have not been on the inside. Looks like a warehouse. Yeah, uh, but you know Jerry's World, that stadium on the outside. Uh, oh, Boom Shakalakas is familiar with that old country tune. I said Big D. That's an old country tune. Going to the Big D don't mean no Dallas. <laughs> Referring to divorce. Big D for divorce. That's good stuff there, Boom Shakalaka. Very, very impressed. Brian B. does make a good point about catering to Kansas, like the ACC caters to Duke and UNC. The ACC tournament is back in Greensboro this year, which is probably where it should be every year. Yep. I don't. I know that's close to Duke and UNC, but it's also pretty central to the ACC. If you think about how far north Syracuse is, how far south Florida State is, Greensboro should just be where the ACC tournament is every year. And I don't know why. they. It's it's historical. It's been yep. there every year forever. They try to mess with it, mix it up, bring it around, just keep it in Greensboro, call it a day. But I, I think for the Big Ten where – now all of a sudden you're bringing in UCLA, you're bringing in USC. Play it in Denver. Play the Big Ten in Denver. That's middle. <laughs> you know what? UCLA, USC. Very interesting. Play it in Denver. It's a very interesting <laughs> point because you know with those schools coming in. What are you gonna do? I mean, Denver's obviously. I mean, I, I'm not being too serious about that, but at the same time, I mean, you're gonna make UCLA and USC fans, I guess, fly all the way across the country, go to Indianapolis, hang with them. Yeah, go to Chi Town, hang out for a few days. Indianapolis is a, as you like to say, Tom, that's a big league city for these huge sporting events. Yeah, for the events, I've been to the Big Ten tournament before. Just went up with some buddies. We, uh, a friend of mine, has a Winnebago, so we went up about uh, five years ago, and it is fantastic. The weather was really nice when we were up there, and. You walk around, and it's only two blocks, maybe back to your hotel if you're staying downtown, and you know you can get in and out, and all that kind of thing. Well, one guy who will be making his way to Dickey's Arena, down in Fort Worth, Texas, in about another week and a half, his first year on the beat. Been around this city in a long, long time, both on the radio covering local high school sports, but now at Cincinnati.com, he is the man on the University of Cincinnati beat. Kind enough to join us today. Scott Springer. Scott, good morning. Uh, late night last night. Uh, a good win for the Bearcats. These last couple of games, I don't know if it's the prettiest basketball in the world. Who cares? Uh, it's coming down to the final uh, buzzer in each of the last two games, and they're getting wins. Yeah, in March you need to win like that, so hopefully this is a good omen that they're pulling things out. I mean, it was a kind of a devastating loss to East, at East Carolina where you have a 16-point lead, nine minutes to go. You should win that. And uh, Roy Williams was there to see Wes Miller. A lot of kids had family there. That one really hurt. Then they, they pull out the win against UCF with DeJulius floating down the lane. And then last night, you know, uh, again, probably should have won in regulation. Uh, Landers Nolly puts up a three. Uh, he was disappointed he missed it. Uh, he took it out on him in overtime and had nine of the 13 points. And, and you know, UC's 19 and 10. That's one win more than they had last year. They have a chance to have 20 wins, two more tries here. And, uh, you know, 
I think they're looking realistically at, at hopefully a chance in, in the NIT because otherwise, you know, they're going to win down at Dickey's Arena to get to the NCAA tournament. Would there be any hope whatsoever, in your opinion? And I know their quad one win record is what it is. It's not very good. Um, but, but would there be any chance in your mind at all if they were to win these last two games, go down to Memphis, beat a team that a lot of people feel like has a decent chance to make the tournament, not a lock, but a decent chance, beat SMU at home, go down to Fort Worth, and if you're in the same half of the bracket, and let's be honest about it, the last time they played Houston, they should have beat Houston. Now, they didn't sure. beat Houston, but they had a big right. lead on them. If right. they were to win a semifinal game, let's say against Houston, who at the time might be ranked number one, at, at, at worst number two or number three, and then maybe lose in the championship game, say, to uh, Memphis. You see any scenario where that might be enough to get them in the NCAA tournament as an at-large team? I think it would depend on what other teams did and what happened. A lot of things would have to fall there, and that's math beyond uh, my comprehension, the NCAA net and all that. Based on the, the, the numbers right now, no, they're, they're not getting in. Uh, but, you know, I, I talked to some people last night. I think they're looking at it as win or, or go home. And uh, I don't know if they're going to make it in there or, or, or not. It would probably depend on what other teams did. But, uh, yeah, that, that would be interesting. It, it certainly would, would be interesting. When you look at the overall state of the team, and you mentioned, you know, they, they have already more wins this year than they had last year. They had some ugly losses this year. There's no doubt about it. The recent one with East Carolina early in the year to Northern Kentucky. Uh, everybody getting all worked up. Is Wes Miller the guy? They give him the contract extension. All in all, you've seen all the games. Has this team gotten better as the season has gone on? Should they feel good about the fact that they were what they were. They are what they are now. Are they a better team now? Have they gotten better individually and collectively? Oh, yeah. I think they're, they're a lot better than, than last year, and everyone assumed they were going to – look at what, what has happened. You're, you're playing without John Newman, a guy that played regular last year that hasn't played a bit. Saw him last night as I was leaving the arena. He was going to get some shots up. It was around midnight. Uh, he's hoping to get back in, in practice, but he's not been part of the team. Rob Fennessy, the Indiana transfer, uh, a great defender at guard that really would have helped him. He goes down in the Tulane game. You played the last three games without Victor Locken. Uh, you, you win a couple of them there. And, uh, you know, all in all, the 19 and 10 is not all that bad. It's not what, you know, maybe you're used to, but you have to remember what happened. Uh, I, I, I've tried to tell people this is not exactly the, what happened when Mick Fronin came on and, and you were in the Big East and, and, and all that, but it's similar. You're, you're going to a, a really tough league here soon. You're, you, get, you have to realize that every game is going to be a battle and you know, you're having to readjust your roster. How many of these guys are going to come back? I mean, we're in an era of uh, shuffling the deck every year, reshuffling the deck. So if everyone comes back, maybe you're on to something, but it, it's not a given. But, you know, looking at the roster right now, you lose to Julius, you'll lose uh, Rob Fennessy, uh, Newman would have to make a decision. And then then you, get, you have to figure, well, who's going to come to the Big 12 with them or not? You don't really know. Would you suspect, um, you know, at the end of the day, there was talk about, uh, you know, who might come back, who might not come back. Um, but, but, but certainly if all those who are able decide to come back, it's a very nice nucleus 
certainly of a team looking ahead to next year, along with the recruits that they have coming in next year, Jizzle James and Rayvon Griffith and that whole kind of group. Um, so, you know, look, I, I know it's easy for a lot of people, especially after the East Carolina game, or a lot of people really up in arms about the program and the state of the program. It, it does seem like, though, they have a chance moving into a tough conference, the best conference in college football, to continue to get better and better. Is that a safe assumption? Yeah, I mean, I, you, you have to hope that, that the, the roster is going to change over time. I'm not saying there's going to be wholesale changes, but obviously you're recruiting a different player for the Big 12, and that's an incentive. And, you know, Wes has one way he, he would like to play. I don't know that he has all the, the guys to play that way right now. Um, but, you know, you're 19 and 10. Uh, the, this, uh, there's been times, I mean, again, go back to the early uh, Cronin years, uh, it took it took Mick, uh, I believe it was the fourth year before they made the NCAA tournament. They made the NIT one year with 19 wins. So I think you're going to have to take baby steps. We all would, would like it to be like it was with Bob Huggins and in the later Mick Cronin years. But, you know, the, these things take time. It, it, it all evolves and you have to be patient. And I understand I'm, I'm not a patient guy myself. But uh, right now, I think you have to feel good at 19 and 10 with a chance to get 20 and and you know, roll the dice in the tournament and see what happens. Worst case scenario, you're in the NIT. I think if, if you told people you, you'd make the NIT this season, I, I think overall, long term, you'd look at that and say, well, uh, you know, maybe that's okay. We'll see how we go. Next year's a whole different ballgame. That, that league's crazy. I mean, you look at UC's NCAA uh, net number right now, and you're at the bottom of that league. So, now, that doesn't mean they're going to be at the bottom next year, but it's a crazy league, as you know, and, and in my opinion, the best. I want to shift gears just very quickly to the football program because you also have to cover what's going on over there, and it seems like there, there's news over there, uh, if not on a daily basis, maybe every three, four days. You know, you know a lot more about that because you're having to hunt guys down. The, the, the whole offensive coordinator thing, uh, is that just one of those things where, hey, you got raided by somebody, guys going to Indianapolis, that's the way it goes, and we got to adjust on the fly and have a backup plan? Pretty much. Uh, you know, the NFL hiring cycle is a little different. The Super Bowl ends and then jobs come open and, and that. And it's my understanding that Tom Manning made a pretty good chunk of change, and he had been with the Colts before, and they liked him. So how do you tell a guy not to take the money and run? You know, I think it, it, if somebody knocks on any of our doors and there's a, enough money, we would sell our house and off we go. So that that's that situation. The realistic part of it is Scott Satterfield has called his own plays. We'll still call his own plays. Uh, the man he got from Virginia Tech, Brad Glenn, he does have some experience with them. And you go back in history, uh, 2007, they were both at Appalachian State when they made that miraculous upset of the Michigan Wolverines. So uh, about everyone Scott Satterfield has hired, he's had history with. Uh, this guy was one year at Virginia Tech, but three years at, at Georgia State before that. And uh, he, he's going to be there, but, uh, you know, Satterfield's going to be calling the play. So not to say this guy couldn't. That's just the way it rolls right now here at Cincinnati. Uh, last thing, uh, uh, Scott, what, what, uh, are spring practices already underway or, or, or are they waiting on those to start? And is there a spring game? Yeah, March 6th is the start of spring practice. 
and uh, the spring game is April 15th. I don't know any specifics time-wise on that. Mm -hmm. A lot of times that depends on the weather. I know last year they intended to go outside, and then they had to reverse field and hold it in the uh, Shakely uh, bubble there. Um, but, yeah, they, they intend on having one, and, and uh, I think uh, March 23rd is their, their pro day for the guys that are going to go to the uh, NFL draft. And, uh, you know, you're going to have uh, um, Ivan Pace Jr. is going to be at the Combine. And, uh, you know, there, there's a steal there, in my opinion. You're looking at a guy that, uh, yeah. you know, he measures up at 5'10 and change and maybe 238. But uh, the one thing you can't measure is the heart and, and, the, and the mind and, and the want to. And uh, that dude's a, a tough Colerain football player, and uh, I, I take him every day. Absolutely. I mean, he's just one of those guys. I don't care what he grades out with his speed or any of the rest of that stuff. Every time you turn around, he's right there with a hat on the ball and, and making tackles or making plays. I'm with you all. And his way. brother's a great NFL prospect, too, because uh, Deshaun Pace is actually about 6'2", and he has the prototypical size that they're looking for. But, but Ivan's a, a tough cookie. You, anyone that gets him is getting a good player. No doubt about it. Scott, thanks so much for your time, my friend. Have a great rest of your day and a safe travels down to Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, we've got some, some barbecue in the plans with, with Dan Horde to be Amen. determined. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, to have, have a rib for me, if you would. I'll do that. All right, man. See you, Scotty. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Or, or nine. Have a good week. Yeah, yeah. Couple. Good to have uh, Scott Springer with us laying it all out there. I tell you, I think that, uh, you know, I don't normally get all wrapped up. But, but there are two teams here um, uh, in our area, the University of Cincinnati, obviously, and Ohio State, where, you know, um, the quarterback situation is going to be fascinating to watch and what happens in the spring game. Yeah. You know, I mean, UC brought in all these different guys. Ben Bryant decides to come back. Um, Prater is back. They bring in the kid from Arizona State, who is this big, highly touted guy coming out of high school, originally signed with Ohio State, decommitted, went to Florida, was a starter there, went out to Arizona State. Now he's coming to UC. It's his fourth school. Well, third school, technically. He never stepped on Ohio State's campus as a student athlete. But, you know, that's going to be fun to watch. And then, of course, up in Columbus, uh, C.J. Stroud declared for the NFL draft, Kyle McCord. Uh, was his backup last year, big-time, highly-rated guy coming out of high school. But, you know, and so was Devin Brown, who would be his primary competition uh, for the starting quarterback at Ohio State with all those wide receivers they have there. And, I mean, it's insane, the, the weapons they have. But, uh, yeah, I think the spring games for UC and Ohio State are going to be fun to watch. And, and looking at the Big 12 basketball-wise and what Scott was talking about and who's going to come back and who's – who's going to leave, what's the roster going to look like for UC next year. I mean, this is a really important offseason for Cincinnati, and I, I, keep, I keep hammering home the point that I have said before that even though UC will be an NIT, NIT team this year, I still think that there is a, a very viable opportunity for Wes Miller and this team to turn things around really quick. I mean, you look at Iowa State. It's a perfect example out of the Big 12, T.J. Otzelberger, he came in two years ago, and Iowa State was irrelevant. People thought last year that Iowa State wasn't going to do anything. They were going to be an irrelevant team. They weren't going to. They they were just going to be a very bad basketball team. Then what do they do? They start the season twelve and zero. They go down. They go to Brooklyn. They win their preseason or well early in the season that that exempt event that tournament. 
They end up kind of faltering down the stretch, went 7-11 and 11 in the Big 12, but they end up as an 11 seed in the tournament. It's not out of the question in today's day and age to be able to rebuild a roster, to be able to build things in one offseason because the transfer portal is basically free agency. And to have, you know, as, as uh, I see in the chat here, Ronnie points out, the Big 12 and the Big East in the same city. I mean, you're going you're gonna to be every night pretty much here around the city with a, some sort of a home game that if you want to go see good co college basketball – there's going to be elite talent around here. And um, I don't think Cincinnati is that far off. There was there was a tenuous point in this season. Yes. Well, a, I think there were a few of them. There are a few, and I'm not so sure that there might not be one more. But there was, there was a tenuous point in this season with Cincinnati in the first Temple game, back on New Year's Day, where they lose by nine. And they looked bad. Yep. They looked really bad in that game. And at that point in the season, you're one and one in the conference. You're ten and five overall. And you're thinking to yourself, oh my goodness, you're losing a Temple who is not a good team at all. And you're thinking, oh man. And then they they turn things around. And now David Julius, who isn't going to be back next year, you know, he's 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 just willing this team down the stretch. And it happened again last night. Now Landers Nolly, he came through in overtime. And how about what they did from the free throw line? 28 of 30 from the yeah. free throw line last yeah. night. That's yeah. where they won the game. Yeah. So, and, and the other thing that UC's done really well this year, they don't turn the ball over. Neither team had double-digit turnovers last night, UC or Temple. But they do not turn the ball over. They're 15th in the country at taking care of the basketball. Um, 15th lowest turnover percentage in the country. So there are some positives for UC. It's just that you look at, like, the East Carolina game. You look at the Temple game. Even Tulane, I guess you could say Tulane is okay, but you know that's a game if you're Cincinnati, you should be winning that game. Yep. Back in the early part of the season, Northern Kentucky, but that's a long time ago. I'm talking about recently. You know, I think that it's hard for me to say UC has turned a corner because I don't really even know what turning a corner looks like when you're not an NCAA tournament team. But I guess just generating some sort of positive momentum into the postseason. And like you said, Tom... Cincinnati should have beat Houston in Houston. Absolutely should have won that game. Now, this goes back to what we were talking about with Xavier, where you you win, good teams win close games, and sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Xavier has lost some of those close games that they were winning earlier in the season. But, like, Houston is a one of the best teams in the country, national title contender. They found a way to win a close game. Last point on this. Is it destiny for Houston, Jim Nance, his last Final Four, Houston grad, Final Four's in Houston. Is it all just, are the stars aligning? It's all fixed. Scripted. It's all scripted out. One big, huge conspiracy. I mean, I... I had a dude tell me, I mean, he went on and on, just some random guy I ran into that, that, that told me about the whole conspiracy against the Bengals this year. I mean, everything from plays that happened to turnovers in games. And I'm just thinking to myself, hey, I love a good conspiracy theory as much as the next guy. But Casey, all those things he just laid out. Jim Nance, Houston guy, Final Four, Houston. Are they still the Cougars? Yeah. The Houston Cougars, number one team in the country. Is this the WWE? Hmm. I, I was sitting there the other day looking at the bracket, and I was thinking to myself, I, I remember 
uh, two or three years ago, the year that, that Baylor won the national championship was the best year that I ever had in my bracket. Uh, I like picking a bracket, and I, I keep going back to that. And I, I didn't do great last year, but I, who, whoever really does all that great, the way it all shakes out. And I was sitting there looking at it last night, and I was looking at one of the one of the mock bracket projections and just thinking who I'd pick in what spots. And I was thinking to myself, man, I just have no clue, no clue who's winning this tournament no. this year. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Is there a fire in the building? Uh-oh. Do we power through? This is the NCAA. We're starting to talk about a conspiracy. And they have gotten in touch with the powers that be right here in Hamilton, Ohio, to get us off the air in an evacuation of this building for bringing up this topic. It's true. I mean, what the hell are we going to do here now? I this think is one of those deals where you're sitting around, right? We've all been there. Your office building, grocery store, right? Whatever it might be. All of a sudden, this starts happening. Fire lights blinking in the studio. Um, no, it's not me trying to get a glamour shot. Um, and you're sitting here and you're thinking, okay, what, what are we going to do? I don't see any fire around us. I don't smell anything. The takes, the takes are too hot. They're too hot. Yeah. I guess we just power through it. Maybe Roger Goodell did that when I, when I started bringing up the guy conspiracy theory against the Bengals. Call in a guy. He would be more apt to have that kind of power than the head of the NCAA. To get on the horn immediately to Hamilton, Ohio, and have our building set off a fire alarm. You know what it actually is? It's somebody back in the back room that wants to play golf on a 75-degree day. And they just pulled the fire alarm and said, hey, you know what? 10.38 in the morning, everybody go home. Can't blame a guy for that. What does this say? Joshua says, Tom, throw some Pawnee water on the fire and keep right on rolling. Boom Shakalaka says, get out of the building, boys. Let's meet at the Municipal Brew or Pinball Garage. I got the first round. Municipal, that's a great spot outside. We host a high school coaches show over there. I mean, what the hell are we going to do here? We just keep powering through. What do you want to talk about? Brian says, Tom, who wins in golf, you or your dad? I don't play golf anymore. I used to play golf a lot. I quit years ago. We started having kids, and I don't miss it for I'll go out and play every now and again, four or five holes with our son, something like that. But uh, no more golf. No more golf? No. Takes too much time. I was on the road. Uh, I just had our daughter was born, uh, traveling all the time, doing Major League Baseball, you know, 140 games, weekends doing Fox Baseball, weekends in the fall and the winter NFL. No. I couldn't justify coming home and walking out the door after my wife had been by herself for, like in 2003, our daughter's born in July of 03. I start the baseball playoffs, division series, five different cities bouncing game one here, game three there, game five there, game five there, straight to the league championship series, seven game series spanning 11 days. My wife was at home with our four month old daughter for like, 15 days, maybe more. Coming home and saying, hey, I'm going to be gone for a while, honey, to go tee him up. Didn't sound like such a great idea. You know? Yeah. She wouldn't have cared. But it, it doesn't seem like a great idea. I mean, seriously, what are we doing here? 
I'm going to walk out there and see what's happening. And uh, hey, you're going to leave the ham and eggs. And I'll in the leave room. you guys here. To Tom's out of there. all the smoke. Take Tom. it away, Mr. President, who, by the way, was in East Palestine, Ohio yesterday, buying McDonald's for all the firefighters and the workers, trucking in bottles of water for all those folks. Good stuff. Ham and eggs. <laughs> Roll it, Casey. It's that time of the show, the ham and eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Sorry. Well, Tom, Tom's <laughs> out of here. Tom's out. He's leaving the ham and eggers. Tom's out of here, you know. He's leaving us the, the cook. Two, it's just you and me, man. It's the Titanic going down with the ship. We died doing what we loved. We're about to be uh, scrambled eggs. Ham and eggs. <laughs> We're, we're, we're on the skillet. We're cooking. I mean, we have had this fire alarm go off, what, two, three times in the run of this show now in the last seven <laughs> poached eggs. <laughs> Tom's off the ship. I'll tell you what, Tom heard that fire alarm and he said, you know what? I'm out of there. The iceberg's coming. And I'm taking a right. You know what it probably is? What? It's probably the elevator, guys. It probably is. So there's an elevator in the beginning of the... in the uh, There's an elevator in the front of the building. That uh, My first day at Chatterbox was August 1st. I think it was probably December 15th before they finally fixed the elevator in the, uh, in the, in the front of the building. So maybe this is... Uh, hopefully this is not ongoing. I mean, I don't want to sit here and just keep filling time forever. But uh, Trace Fowler says there may be a fire on the third floor. I mean, if there actually is a fire, I mean, it's, <laughs> at some point we're going to have to get out of here. But for right now, we're going to keep plugging away. We're going to keep plugging through. Well, well if there is a fire, we're going to be taking all this equipment too. We can't risk the water to... <laughs> Oh, true. We already did have a leak. We got a, we got a bucket right here from the from the leak through the We're ceiling. Our, the other day. <laughs> our office is really down bad. It just. Uh oh. oh. We're back. Hold on. Let's see how long till Tom's Tom, back in the Tom's studio. Tom's got a huge smile on his face right now. <laughs> here he comes. There he is, the man of the hour. Tom, it's safe to return. It is. I got it all straightened out. Third floor is being renovated. Flooring company got dust in the smoke alarm. Is that what it is? That's what they Reed said. They said something up on the third floor. Jim says, Tom will tell the fire department to get out of here. <laughs> nope. Far too much respect. Uh, Joshua says, I ripped out the wiring. There may be some truth to that. Somebody's asking me if I'm going to any spring training games. I mean... Are you serious? I mean, is here, are you serious? I have a job here. Mm. And I don't have a job the last time I checked that has anything to do with spring training. Mm. Right? Mm. So the answer would be no. Not going out to Arizona for spring training. Content creation. What's that? I said content creation. Go out there, do, <laughs> some, do some live shows. We'll, we'll send you a studio. You can figure out how to wire it all. 
Maybe we could finally, if we just, we, we, we went out there, went on a nice drive, I'd be all for driving, load up the equipment, put it in the back of the SUV and, you know, get rolling there. And uh, maybe that is the only way we could get Joey Votto to come on a program. Mm. He has politely declined multiple times. Show up. I, sorry, I, I can't say anything when I hear the fire. Yeah, the now the fire officers. trucks yeah, are rolling this, in. This, this the alarm's siren. off, and the fire trucks are pulling up probably over my left shoulder, I would guess, right here, because that's where the big garage entrance is to this building. Yeah. Is there more than one of those, or is that it? No, that's it. That's it? Okay. All right. Joshua Morgan wants to know how many bathroom breaks in a 36-hour drive. Uh, really, you know, uh, not as many as you might think, but a few. But that's okay. You got to get up. You got to stretch your legs. I love driving, but you do have to get up. You start cramping up. Yeah. I mean, I, I cramp up sitting in this chair. Sniper, a few weeks back. Sniper. All right, All right. boys. I want to get into a couple of things. There is a very interesting uh, situation, this Brandon Miller thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I walked through the whole scenario for those of you that were with us. He was allowed to play last night for Alabama. Now, look, we live in such a, a reaction and overreactionary world that most of the time I tend to side with let, 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 let's don't let, let's just don't start reacting here and, 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 and you know doing this to this guy and this to that guy or that to that woman or whatever it might be, okay? We can all take a step back, take a deep breath, and, and let's just really look at what's going on here and try to make a good decision. You know, that's exactly what happened at the University of Alabama roughly hours after the explosive news comes out on Tuesday, I think is when the arraignment was in court about exactly what happened and exactly who was involved in this tragic death of a 23-year-old woman who's just out at the bars. She ends up getting shot in her car, uh, and she's dead. So life taken away from a mom and dad, a brother, a sister, an aunt, an uncle, a grandmother, a grandfather. It's a 23-year-old woman. Put yourself in, in, in their shoes, okay? She's sitting in a car. And next thing you know, bang. It's every night in every city in the United States of America. Okay, that gun, okay, started its journey, if you will, for lack of a better term, its tragic journey, started by a young man who has a gun. It's not come out whether he legally owns the gun or not. I don't know. The bad guys are always going to get the gun no matter what. The strictest gun laws in the United States of America are in Chicago. Strictest in the country. And there are more shootings there than any city in America on a nightly basis. So this gun is in a place where Brandon Miller is asked by his teammate, who the gun belongs to, to bring him his gun and it's very late at night. The young man who asked for Miller to bring him his gun is a teammate of Brandon Miller's. So he says, hey, sends him a text. Not a text that, according to the court stuff, not a text that said, hey, man, I am in a bad spot here. 
I got some bad guys around me, and, 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 and I got to protect myself. It's just really scary stuff. Can you get that gun down here right now? Okay, now, before we go any further, I don't know how many of you, I have never grown up, thank the Lord above, in an area where people carry guns. Okay? But that is a very real part of life in a lot of urban America, where a lot of these young men who grow up playing basketball that are playing at the collegiate level and the pro level, football, pro level, college level, they grow up in a different world than you and me. So I only preface this whole thing by saying that. Okay? I mean, if somebody called you or me and said, hey, bring me a gun, right? It's not happening. Chances are you might not even have a gun. But in that world, okay, th that, that happens a lot. So Miller gets his call from his teammate who owns a gun, but Miller is at a place where the gun physically is. And he gets his text from his buddy and says, hey, can you bring me my gun? So Brandon Miller does just that. He gets in his car. He drives down to an area in Tuscaloosa, right on campus, where there are a bunch of bars. And look, where there's a university and where there are bars, there are going to be a lot of people at the bars. Okay? We all know that. You've done it. I've done it. He brings a gun down and gives it to his teammate and his friend who the gun belongs to. Brandon Miller then leaves and goes back home. A little while later, that gun is used in a shooting that killed this young woman. So all of this comes out on Tuesday in the court hearing where the guy who actually did the shooting, which is not the guy who the gun belongs to, but they were together and witnessed the shooting. One shot, the other saw it and was there. They have been charged with capital murder. And so they go to court on Tuesday and all of this comes out, comes out to the public of what happened in the courtroom. So you know at that particular point in time that the president of the University of Alabama had to, right? I mean, there's no way all of a sudden this is going on at a major university and you've got your best, most well-known basketball player on one of the best teams in the country, okay? You've already got one of his teammates that's involved in the shooting. You also have Miller who transported the gun that was used in the shooting. All of this comes out. Miller's the best player. So you know the athletic director, the head basketball coach, Nate Oates, um, the university president, probably their legal counsel, everybody else, they're in constant contact with the authorities. And by all accounts, including those from the authorities, everybody has been an extremely cooperative witness to everything that's proceeding here. Alabama makes a decision. They're playing in a game last night. The Alabama Athletic Department and the University of Alabama decide that Brandon Miller is going to be allowed to play in the game. He played in the game. He's a future top five NBA pick, only a freshman. He's out of Antioch, Tennessee, which we were looking up some information on Antioch and wondering what kind of community that was. It sounds like a community you read about and hear about every single day, and we have them in greater Cincinnati. A uh, lot of crime. Um, and a lot of bad stuff going on. So 
he plays last night, scores 41 points, uh, hits the game-winning shot in overtime, and the second-ranked team in the country, Alabama, wins the game. Off they go. So, gentlemen, your thoughts on this whole thing. Should Brandon Miller have been allowed to play in the game last night? Casey, your thoughts. Um, so I am just reading up on it. Uh, I just There's an article that just came out on Yahoo Sports um, like two minutes ago. That, that's what I'm basing this information off of. Uh, it pretty much says that Miller had no idea that that Davis or Miles left the gun in Miller's car, backseat of his car. Correct. And if you are, let's say the, he commits an infraction, police search his car, they find a weapon that's not under his name. That's a big deal. In that, in that sense. I'm just trying to paint a picture here as to why he would bring a gun regardless of the situation because it's in his car. Like, it would be one thing if he took it from the apartment or something, had a hold of it, and took it there. But if it was already in his car and it was hidden in his car under clothes or like a basket or something from what this says here, he never even had... He never even touched it, apparently. Never... Never had a hold of it. Sure. He was just taking it back to him. It could be as simple as like, hey, I left my gun in, in your car. Can you come back and give it to me? So I can understand that side of the, the story. Um, or, or that perspective. If, that's the, if that is the truth, if that is the, the, all the facts, and that's how it's being portrayed... I don't think there's anything wrong with him playing. Um, it'd be, I, I, I just don't see if there wasn't any way that he was told like, Hey, I'm going to shoot some person. I need my gun or um, any way of knowing. I mean, there's no timestamps. There's no time codes to like how quickly all this happened. But apparently Miller arrives at the scene. They grab the gun and Miller's still able to, see what took place. So this had to be like, you know, like back to back, you know, because usually when you drop off something, you drop it off and you just take off, you know? So they got in the car, grabbed the gun, shot the person and Miller was still at the scene. So to me that all that, those circumstances lining up to me, I'm not going to say he's guilty or not guilty, but it just seems like to me that there wasn't a, knowledge of that going to happen and i don't see why if he's not being the original question you asked us is it fine that he played i think it's fine um he wasn't charged of any crimes i think it's odd that they would that they would play him you know i think maybe the organization the alabama would want to do an investigation of their own um that to me seems odd, seems off, but they're not, in, they're not required to do anything like that. You well, know my saying? understanding is no... just to clarify that a little bit, because I did not say, and thank you for pointing it out, that he has not been charged with any kind of crime. In fact, they said we can't charge him with anything. We being the police said we can't charge him with anything. 
There's nothing to charge him for. So there clearly has been a lot of, as you would imagine, I mean, think of a community, college town. I mean, you know, Tuscaloosa is bigger, bigger than, say, Oxford or, you know, Athens or somewhere like that. But that's the way these things work. I mean, the, 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 the university, they're intertwined. Most of the people that live in the town work in the university in some kind of form or fashion, not all, but a lot. The overwhelming majority, 70, 80 percent, is the way those college towns generally work. It's not like UC or, you know, uh, Xavier or somewhere like that because it's a big city and that's where those cities are. Paul, your thoughts on him playing? Yeah, so I spent a long, long time yesterday. Obviously, you know, I follow this pretty this story pretty closely. Just to kind of put in perspective, if you don't follow college basketball at all, how good of a player Brandon Miller is, he's there's a chance he's the number two player picked in the in the NBA draft this year. The number one overall pick in the NBA draft this year is going to be a player named Victor Wembayana out of France, who might be the best NBA prospect since LeBron James. He's going to go number one overall. And then from there, it could be Brandon Miller picked at number two. So just to kind of put in perspective what type of a player we're talking about here, this is a very, very talented player who's going to be a probably first-team All-American, the best player on maybe the best team in the America right now. And when this story dropped on Tuesday afternoon, it immediately generated a ton of headlines across the country because the player that actually committed the crime was not a factor on the team. He did not factor into the team's success. He saw some minutes, but he did not factor into the team's success. Alabama is the same team without Darius Miles as they were with him. But this dynamic with Brandon Miller certainly changes a lot of things. And the there are a couple of ways to look at this, and there are a lot of details that were very confusing in the media over the last 48 hours since this story broke. A lot of people saying a lot of things that ended up not being true or just maybe weren't entirely true, um, just as far as when he got to the scene. Then we got more details of how he got to the scene, when he was texted how he was texted, the circumstance of him even going back. There was an article saying that he was supposed to be Darius Miles' ride home all night long, and he was just going back to the scene to pick him up. There were a lot of conflicting details here that I tried to sort through, try to understand. I listened to hours of this yesterday when, when I was on my way home and, and then last night and reading articles and trying to figure it all out. I don't feel comfortable enough up here to sit here and, and make a decision one way or the other because there's just so many details about this case but what i will say is that nate oates handled this horrifically the head coach at alabama handled this horrifically both tuesday and last night whether or not you should believe he was going to play he was not in the wrong place at the wrong time which is what he said in his press conference and the way that nate oates stumbled through the press conference was it was a very weird scene. Um, I don't know if they didn't prep him on anything or if they just threw him out there and said things would be okay or if they did prep him on things and he didn't answer them the way that maybe mm -hmm. the Alabama Athletic Department thought. The positive – I don't want to say positive. The, the thing that is encouraging about this situation from an Alabama perspective is that Brandon Miller – cooperated with the authorities from the instant this happened. Yep. He was never uncooperative. He was never combative. He never shied away from anything. He instantly, as soon as this crime took place, 
as soon as the authorities realized what was happening, Brandon Miller and, and the team immediately cooperated. Darius Miles was arrested. I mean, th this was a very quick situation. But now, a month removed from this, when it happened in the middle of January, a lot of these details were coming out. And the other thing that has become interesting is the reporting about whether or not Alabama knew all of this. Because they played about 10 games, I think, since all this happened. And trying to figure out what did Nate Oates, what did the Alabama Athletic Department know about Brandon Miller's and did they know the whole time that he was partially involved in this? Or oh, there's no doubt about that. Well, the, I mean, come on. Do you think in a town like Tuscaloosa, Alabama, when somebody is killed and there are Alabama basketball players in some form or fashion that have a connection to it and being able to connect A, B, and C in a very short amount of time, that the Alabama Athletic Department didn't I'm, know about this from literally the night it happened? Not, No, no, no. Not that, not that he was there i'm talking about the text messages and the okay. things that okay were, okay but it would have been within a couple of days that were then presented in court I'm, yeah. I'm talking about you know how much everybody knew that once it all came out in court what was new information to alabama because i'm sure like you said i'm sure they knew the there's story. no they doubt. knew everything but but what what became public on tuesday you know how much of that then shaped the decision of what alabama was going to do but as the as you said tom he was not and will not be charged with a crime. Yep. So from that perspective, legally, you could see where it's okay to clear him to play. On the flip side, there is certainly an argument that if, if in fact, this was how it went down, that Brandon Miller got a text that did not verbatim but essentially said, bring my gun back to where I am. He used some cryptic language in there, but it – Reading through it, you can understand that he was asking him to bring his gun back to the scene. If that that is indeed what happened, there's a very reasonable, any reasonable person could assume that if Brandon Miller had just said, well, you know what, let's, let's calm things down here. You know, I'll come pick you up, but you don't need your gun tonight. Or hey, how about you just take an Uber home? That this mom, this was a 23, I believe, 23-year-old yep, who had a child, yep. whose child is now going to grow up without a mother, that that mom would still be alive. And that's where I have a tough, a tough uh, time with this and trying to decide one way or the other whether, you know, whether he should play, whether he should not play. Um, I, I still just want to read more about it, hear more about it, and, and what he knew – what Brandon Miller knew about the situation, because the way it's been presented is he was going back to pick Darius Miles up anyway. The gun, which was not Brandon Miller's gun, was in the back of Brandon's car. He went to the scene. Darius got the gun. The crime happened. And from there, Brandon Miller cooperated with the authorities. If there's anything more to it than that that we learn, that could be a different situation. It's just a, it's just a really sad situation overall. And it just feels to me, Tom, th which is the worst part, that it was such an avoidable situation that um, it just... As are so many that you hear about every single night. Yeah. I mean, as are so many, you know. Somebody walks up with a gun and shoots a, a, a mom and a child uh, at a McDonald's drive through in Chicago. I mean, you know, stuff like that. You're just like, the hell's going on? Yeah. Um, but you're right about Oates. 
Um, if, if there is one thing that and, is – And his other yeah. line about the thing was – was his other line about what you said. But then he said, hey, look, once they leave practice – something to the extent, I'm paraphrasing. He says, once they leave practice, I can't control what these guys go do. They're all going to go to the bars. That's what kids do. Well, you know, there is where you'd like to see a real leader of men where you're like, hey, I'm the coach. I'm responsible for everybody that is involved in the basketball program, whether it's a student manager, whether it's the assistant coach, whether it's a star player, or whether it's a walk-on. Right? Yeah. That's my job. Yeah. That's what Wes Miller would say. That's what Sean Miller would say. Take it to the bank. But it does get into an entirely different sort of, you know, and, and look, we, good Lord willing, we're never going to know the answer to this question. But then it, you get into the whole thing of where you are, meaning where your school is. And, and anybody who believes there's not a difference, they have their head stuck in the sand. If this were to happen closer to a major city, this kid would not have been playing last night. There's no chance. Zero. Media, press, moral police, everything else, no chance that kid's playing last night. Certain schools around the country, no chance he's playing. None. The other thing... SEC, by and large... Little bit, little bit different. The other thing too that's that's tough about this situation is just, like I said, it's an avoidable it's an avoidable situation, and a lot of players for a lot of teams in college athletics have been suspended for a whole lot less. No question. Than bringing a gun to a crime scene that later involved the murder of a human being. That's the point I'm making, is that it would be so very different in so many other places. And I'm not saying Alabama's wrong. I'm not saying they're wrong. I mean, that's not for me to judge. You know, they have very smart, I mean, they don't have a bunch of idiots down there. Whoever the president is, is a very smart person. Whoever their legal counsel is for the university, smart people. Athletic director, smart people. I would imagine Oates is probably a pretty smart guy, right? There's no way you can become the head basketball coach at a Southeastern Conference school without being a smart guy. Yes. Right? He's a great coach. Fantastic coach. I mean, he has turned this Alabama program around from being a, a decent middle-of-the-road SEC team to now consistently being one of the best teams in the country and certainly one of the most fun teams in the country. I mean, Brandon Miller, night in and night out, is an incredible player to watch. I turn on these Alabama games, and if you have listened to this program or if you have listened to the Rebound Rundown, you know that Alabama has been my national championship pick for the last month and a half. I love watching them play. They are a thrill offensively to watch. Brandon Miller is a stud. They are a great fun college basketball team every night they take the court and they are dominant most nights that they take the court last night they needed overtime to beat South Carolina and probably should have lost that game I just I look at at how a team like this with a coach like this and Nate Oates can it's, it almost goes back to the if you don't have anything nice to say don't say anything that's at right. all I mean that's if, you, right. if you're not going to come up with something you can just sit there and say, uh-oh, fire alarm, More we're cutting us off.
They're cutting us off. They didn't like what we were saying. Alabama Chancellor with pull here in Hamilton, Ohio. <laughs> but I, I just I look at the situation and see how disappointing of a situation it is for a team like Alabama now that they – it's just a shame that it got – and it has been handled the way that it has from a public perspective because it sounds like behind the scenes they cooperated immediately and did everything that they needed to do. But in the last 48 hours, it has definitely not been, um, you know, it's definitely not been the uh, the public image that Alabama basketball. No, that, I mean that's for sure. And and, and look, at the end of the day, I, it, it, how all this shakes out, I don't know. Um, Tatus Miller must be mentally though a pretty tough kid, right? I mean, can you imagine? The stuff that was said to him last night in that arena. And he goes out and scores 41 points. Oh, scores the game winning. I mean, you know, look, and I'm not excusing anything that's happened here. I'm just saying from a mental ability to focus and concentrate and execute and all those kinds of things, that has to be an extraordinarily mentally tough human being when it comes to walking on a basketball court. I mean, Maybe yeah. not anything else but certainly walking on a basketball court. He had the best game of his season last night, no doubt. Career high, 41. I know he's a freshman, but it is his career high. 41, took over the game, was dominant in overtime, got the game-winning basket. Seemed like every time Alabama needed to make a play, it was Brandon Miller that made a play. Um, so for him to, to do that certainly, I think, speaks to what you said about mental toughness and being able to block things out and just go out there and, and play the game and play basketball. But um, – yeah, I'll be really interested to see how all of this plays out over the next week or so, yep. especially at this point in the season. I mean, Alabama, for as good as they are, they're still in the race for the SEC with Texas A&M. Texas A&M is it, somehow, Texas A&M is a borderline tournament team. They're probably going to get in, but Texas A&M is a borderline tournament team right now. They, they, they should get in, but they have two really, really bad losses on their resume. So, um you know, they, they have one game left, a, a team they can't lose to, Mississippi. But outside of that, two quad one games. But Texas A&M is only a game back right now of Alabama in the SEC race. And, oh, by the way, those two teams play each other on the last day of the regular season next Saturday. So not only does Alabama have this to deal with on the court, they also have to play for an SEC title, which everybody expects them to win. But Texas A&M is going to be coming for that next week. So... Well, the young woman's name is Jamea Harris, 23 years old. A mom, as Paul mentioned, and she is dead. Yep. Miller is not charged with any crime. The athletic department says the University of Alabama athletics continue to cooperate fully with law enforcement in the ongoing investigation of this tragic situation. Based on all the information we have received, Brandon Miller is not in any form considered a suspect in this case, only a cooperative witness, period. All right. Uh, what do you think we ought to do here, boys? I mean, you want to give us a few more minutes and then call it a day? Because I don't know if we, we can actually sit here and do this show with this thing going on. Do we? Did we have another guest come on? We have Tracy, we have Tracy. coming on at 1130. But, Beside we, Tracy, that's but nobody Tracy. else. And that's in uh, roughly 19 minutes from now. Well, if this doesn't get figured out, 
Tell you what, let me step out and talk to Trace. You guys chat for a second here real quick. All right. Uh, and then we'll uh, figure out what we ought to do here because this is obviously very annoying to anybody. It's all of us, but more importantly to all of you. Okay. Casey, we have some things to talk about. We've talked a lot about uh, Cincinnati so far. The Bearcats. You know who that's brought to you by. The Bearcats Report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. There is also, as you can see right here, which somebody suggested uh, we go throw on the fire, wherever that is, a new premium alkaline water out, and it is Pawnee. Made in Hamilton, Ohio, Pawnee uses natural limestone filtration unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. Visit their website at PawneeWater.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com to see where you can find this great tasting water. So that... Is uh, bet with Betfred. Get your coffee from UDF. Encore and uh, and uh, Pawnee Water. Tom, what's the word? What's uh, word is we're going to pull the plug on the rest of the show. Casey, could you please um, email Tracy and ask him, him if he can come on tomorrow? Yeah, I'll please. ask him. Yeah, yeah, I can ask him. So we apologize to all of you. Obviously, this is something we have zero control over and uh, just doesn't make any sense at this point to continue on with a program with this going on and, and, and so on and so forth. So gentlemen, thank you very much. Enjoy it. Yeah. Enjoy thank it. you, Tom. Go, go hit the links today, Tom. It's 1113. I'm going to take my dog and one of my dogs on a run today. Uh, he was just notified. We got him at the pound about a year, a little over a year and a half ago. And the old boy beefed up a little bit. Oh no. He's a lot oh, like no. me beefing up, getting a little soft. Time for both of both Oliver and I to get out there and um, Oliver and yes, um, for me to get out there and uh, and and try to uh, get some road work in. Run a couple miles, swim a mile. No swimming. No swimming. Not no. I have nowhere to go to go do that. You'd have to get up at like five thirty in the morning to go down to our local high school, where they make it open to people in the community if you want to go down there and swim in the morning. Mm, I'm huh. not doing the five thirty swim. Mm, Does that no. make sense? No, I wouldn't do that either. What are you guys gonna do the rest of the day, real quick, before we get out of here? I don't know. We'll get our work done here. Hit, get, get some. You're lunch, not gonna get do your done. show, right? With all no, this nonsense. This is this is bizarre. No. Right? Okay. No, Mike Schmaltz wasn't coming on today anyway, so. Uh, we have our picks. Quick lock of the night. Lock of the night. Quick lock of the night. Two locks of the night. Quick locks of the night. If you listen to the show, you know Ohio State plays tonight. Fade Ohio State. We're going to stay on that train. Take Penn State minus, I think, or plus two and a half, whatever it is. Whatever Penn State spread is, take it. And then also the UCLA under. That's a late game, 11 p.m. tonight. Take the UCLA under. Casey, real quick. Go. Five, four. Hold on. Three. Two and a half. Pacers. Two. Pacers. Eight lock. and a half. NBA is back. Pacers, what? What is it? Eight and a half. They're a favorite by eight and a half. No, no, underdogs. Underdog, underdogs. and you're saying take the Pacers and the points. 
Yep. Okay. Go All swim right. to Miami with Reed, Tom. Little Miami or big Miami, mighty Miami. Here we go. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the sunshine.